we wanted to look at which companies um, actually gained from September 11th. Turned up this company, Carlyle Group. The Carlyle Group is a multinational conglomerate that invests in heavily government-regulated industries like telecommunications, healthcare, and particularly defense. Both George W. Bush and George H. W. Bush worked for the Carlyle Group, the same company that counted the Bin Laden family among its investors. Carlyle Group was holding its annual investor conference on the morning of September 11th in the Ritz-Carlton Hotel in Washington, D.C. At that meeting uh, were all of the Carlyle regulars. James Baker, likely John Major, definitely George H.W. Bush, though he left the morning of September 11th. Shafiq bin Laden, who is Osama bin Laden's half-brother, um, and was in town to look after his family's investments in the Carlyle Group. Um, all of them together in one room watching as the, um, the planes hit the towers and then in fact the bin Laden family was invested in one of their defense funds which ironically meant that um, as the United States started increasing its defense spending um, the bin Laden family stood to gain from those investments uh, through the Carlyle Group. Our Commander-in-Chief, President George W. Bush. With all the weapons companies at home, the Carlyle Group was, in essence, the 11th largest defense contractor in the United States. Thanks a lot. It owned United Defense, makers of the Bradley Armored Fighting Vehicle. September 11th guaranteed that United Defense was going to have a very good year. Just six weeks after 9-11, Carlyle filed to take United Defense public, and in December, made a one-day profit of $237 million. But sadly, with so much attention focused on the Bin Laden family being important Carlisle investors, the Bin Ladens eventually had to withdraw. Bush's dad, though, stayed on as senior advisor to Carlisle's Asia board for another two years. As unseemly as it seems uh, to, uh, to, to know that George H.W. Bush was meeting with the, the Bin Laden family, um, while Osama was a wanted terrorist um, well before September 11th. It's very discomforting for, for Americans to know that. George H.W. Bush is a man who has uh, obviously incredible reach into the White House. Um, he receives daily CIA briefings, which is the right of any ex-president, uh, but very few ex-presidents actually exercise that right. Uh, he does, and I think in in a very real way, they are benefiting from the confusion that arises when George H.W. Bush visits Saudi Arabia on behalf of Carlisle and meets with uh, the royal family and meets with the Bin Laden family. Um, is he representing the United States of America uh, or is he representing an investment firm in the United States of America or is he representing both? Uh, this company is about money. It's not about conspiracies to run the world or um, you know, engineer political maneuvering and things like that. It's about making money, and it's about making a lot of money, and they've done very well. It's hard to get you on the record on this question. Uh, in the White House view, it, there's uh, no ethical uh, conflict in uh, former President Bush and former Secretary of State Jim Baker using their contacts with world leaders to represent one of the most well-known military arms dealers, the Carlisle Group. The President has full faith that his family 
will conform with all proper ethics laws, all ethics laws, and will act properly in their conduct. Okay, so let's say one group of people, like the American people, pay you $400,000 a year to be President of the United States. But then another group of people invest in you, your friends, and their related businesses $1.4 billion over a number of years. Who are you going to like? Who's your daddy? Because that's how much the Saudi royals and their associates have given the Bush family, their friends, and their related businesses in the past three decades. Seems like a very nice reunion with friends. Is it rude to suggest that when the Bush family wakes up in the morning, they might be thinking about what's best for the Saudis instead of what's best for you or me? Because 1.4 billion just doesn't buy a lot of flights out of the country. It buys a lot of love. Welcome to The Machine, everyone. I am your host, Mario, here with my co-host, Jeff Rowe. Journey with us as we adventure into conspiracy theories and the unexplained. Shiny, happy people, Jeff Rowe. Yeah. Shiny, happy people? It, it buys a lot of love, right? It buys a lot more than love, it sounds like. It buys a lot of jihad. Um, anyway, welcome back. Everybody, another uh, fantastic episode of The Machine, Conspiracy Theories and the Unexplained. C critical thinkers and the Unexplained, I like, still. But, I mean, hey, if you're going to give us the badge, we're going to wear it. Uh, Jeff Rowe. How's everybody here. doing out there in podcast land? Let's hope everybody's okay. Uh, let's hope everybody's doing well, right? Yeah, especially considering the past week's events. Considering the past few years, what the hell is going on, man? Like, I, I just stop myself sometimes and I sit and I wonder, what the fuck happened? Right? I mean, everybody has to stop and wonder, what the hell is going on? What, what's happening? And I think a lot of that has to do with going back to the 9-11 attacks. Because if, if you, you could follow it even back that far where this incident, this one huge horrific incident happened and it really changed the course of humanity entirely and not just in this country in other countries because i mean it caught the eye and the attention of everybody around the world right yeah it seems like that's the epicenter that's the fulcrum point where the old world now meets the new world and we've been we've been living in this quagmire of just shit since 2001 giggity <laughs> Anyway, before we go a little further, just a few shout-outs here for some of our listeners, some of our peoples that reached out to us, which we love. We absolutely love everybody reaching out to us, all of our friends on Discord. If you haven't been um, on our Discord and you need a link, I just want to inform everybody, if you ask for a link, the link is only good for, I think it's like 10 minutes or something like that. And, you know, if I send it to you and you go, hey, Mario, it doesn't work, well, yeah, that's because I sent it to you and you didn't try jumping on at that time. So you have a window. Uh, you have a window to join 
So, little piece of information for everybody out there who wants to join the Discord, tried and it didn't work, this is exactly why. So, uh, some of our friends who have reached out to us outside of Discord, Brad, Jim, Ryan, Mark, uh, Crystal, a couple times, uh, Rakeem, Patrick. Patrick was the one who sent us a lot of the video footage on the UAPs, which is really cool, or UFOs, however you want to say it. However, the government wants to change the, uh, you know, the acronym for it. Whatever the flavor of the month Whatever is, right? the flavor of the month. Yeah, how, how are we going to hide this by changing the acronym, right? So uh, uh, Patrick was one of those people, and thank you again, Patrick. I have shared a lot of that stuff on our Discord is, uh, as well. I, I believe I did upload some of it to the website. The website needs some work. I'm not going to lie, guys. We're, we're, we're doing what we can with the time that we do have. Um, that also being said, we're in the works of trying to figure out a way to do something even more with, uh, you know, maybe some shirts or something. I'm, I'm not really sure, but it's it's in the works. We're talking about it. Maybe a little while before we get that out there, um, for for that to take hold because we don't we never wanted to be sponsored by anything or anyone other than you know maybe not sponsored but maybe just the support of the people, support of our our listeners. So we're trying to figure out a way to do this without you know having the government's hands in our cookie jar. You better leave your hands off of my cookies. <laughs> I don't think either one of us really need cookies, but that's that's besides the point there, Jeffro. So we're continuing to talk about 9-11, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so much information to cover. We're not going to be able to cover it all. Uh, I keep learning new stuff even up to <laughs> 10 minutes prior to this recording. So, And, and you're, you're, you're talking about the introduction video the, uh, about the car log, which you and I were just talking about it, and I, I thought, I don't know, I thought I told you about this. I thought you knew about this, and you just seemed completely flabbergasted over here when you watched the video about the connection between the, the Bush family and the Bin Laden family and the Carlisle group. Well, no, yeah. Uh, we're going to touch base on it a little bit here in a few minutes. I was aware of the connection with the Bin Laden family going back to the 70s with the oldest brother, Salim. But I was not aware of the Bin Laden family contributing and having a, a large stake in the Carlisle group, which, referring to the video talked about how there was an actual meeting the morning of September 11th in Washington, D.C. Well, the saying is seen. It's a goddamn arms race, right? I mean, so so Fall Out Boy tells us on their song, word for <sighs> word, uh, great tune. But all the cover-ups and all the different things that we're going, that we have been discussing and going to discuss, you always, we tell everybody, ask why, why, why is this happening? And if, if nothing else, if something this big happens, the first question you got to ask is why? Uh, the first plane hits, was it why? Was it just you know negligence on, on a part of a pilot? You know, oh, the second plane hit. No, it's not negligence. This is an attack. Um, third, you know, the, the Pentagon hit. This happened. That happened. Uh, Building 7 being left out of the uh, commission report, which is something. Oh, oh, if, if you're hearing this. For the first time, uh, Building 7 was not a part of the 9-11 Commission report. However, it did fall. Why would there not be a full investigation in all the buildings that failed that day? That doesn't even make any sense. No, and that wasn't that wasn't a big... I mean, it was a big building. It wasn't a small building, right? No. We, we, 
sure, if you stack anything next to the World Trade Center towers, yeah, it, it's going to seem smaller. Those were ginormous towers. Those were the biggest towers in the world at the time, right? If I'm not mistaken. or was When they, they were do- first built, yeah. When they were first built. Yeah. So, um, and now I believe it's the, the building in Dubai, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, anyway, it really, it really, you know, if you listeners want to look it up or whatever, I know that building's fucking enormous. It's huge. But uh, the focus was on so many different things. We talked about this in the last episode, so many different things to divert the uh, focus from one place to another. A smaller building next to the two buildings, meh, is collateral damage, meh. I mean, I would imagine there would be interest, at least from the architects or the people on, on in the city itself as to, okay, none of the other buildings collapsed that were near the t- towers. So wouldn't you think it'd be pertinent to investigate why building seven fell? Like, okay, why did this building fail? Whereas the other buildings maintain their structural integrity. Let's see what we did wrong in the blueprints on this building. So we don't make that same mistake again. But no, they they didn't care. It, it wasn't even you know the building seven wasn't even included in the report. So if you're self analyzing and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, you would think, okay, all things even. If this was you know an event that was on the up and up and it wasn't something that they were trying to hide, you would think rational thinking. Let's figure out why building seven collapsed. But again, they seem to have no interest in finding out why. Sure, meh. That's 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 going to be my answer for that, really, because it seems to be the answer for, you know, any of these bigger entities that want to create a cover up, right? They they're not interested in finding this information because they don't want this information, and they sure as shit don't want this information to be public. So, meh, meh, meh. There's no there's no you don't need an ant. Why? It wasn't one of the bigger buildings, right? It wasn't one of those other bigger buildings. It wasn't the side of the Pentagon that happened to re- be reinforced so the whole damn thing didn't implode, but just to do enough damage to destroy uh, financial records that, you know, prove that there was trillions of dollars that had just, you know, been unaccounted for to the American people. You know, we've lost all of the money that you've been paying us, but meh. Yeah, you know, the exact amount of money that was estimated that they were going to use in the... F- forthcoming wars, right? With a two point four trillion and then we're gonna spend two point four trillion in the upcoming wars. Almost like they were trying to launder the money. Well, I mean, if you want to wipe it clean, you just wipe it out completely, right? There you go. Let's 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 get the American people engaged in a war, get them emotionally charged with a, a, an act of tur and just wipe out all this money that we couldn't account for, but you know what? We're at war. We, we got a war on terror. You know what? Even further, um, this war on terror would uh, help us go into Iraq, right? Iraq. Right. We, we, yeah, we touched base on this a little bit in the last episode with uh, Donald Trump coming out and saying, you know, that he did not support the war in Iraq. And, and no matter what you do, and I know there are a lot of listeners, whether you supported him or not, whatever, you know, that's up to you. But get your facts straight. He did not support going into Iraq. That was something he did not do. Even when he was running for office in 2016, he made that very publicly clear when they tried 
uh, the mainstream media tried to over and over again say, well, yes, you did. You talked about, well, you could talk about it back then, 2001, 2002, three, four, whatever, around that time. It was, people were so emotionally charged. Nobody knew what the hell was going on because we weren't allowed to know what was going on. People were just emotionally charged. What do we do? What do we do? Oh, there's, there's, there's act of terror. They just killed so many and thousands and thousands and thousands of people, Americans, lives lost. Sure. What do we do? Well, we, how do you attack an idea? And that's what an act of terror is. It's an idea. It's not a country. So what do we know? Well, these terrorists are hiding in Afghanistan. All right, great. Let's go to Iraq. Wait, what? That was something that never, when, whenever they made that move, when the Bush administration made that move to go into Iraq, and the claim was, well, they're supplying the terrorists, we had no evidence of. When he was talking about the WMDs, there was more evidence of WMDs and trades in Afghanistan, but we went to Iraq. And then the claim was, well, we had to go through Iraq to get to Afghanistan. Well, you... That's like me tearing shit through my neighbor's yard to get to the neighbor on the other side when I could easily just fucking walk around it. We've got drones that could shoot somebody in the sky. We could, we, we, could, we could pinpoint a single person, which has been done. What what was the need for this huge invasion of Iraq? This does not make sense to anybody. I don't care if you're right or left. It did not make sense. Not to mention the fact that all the hijackers were Saudi Arabian nationals. They weren't even from Iraq. They were from Saudi Arabia. So, so why, again, this goes to the beginning of the intro. Why would we not put Saudi Arabia on blast and say, hey, listen, you guys have to start outing some of your extremist groups in your country? Well, it's because the man in power at the time, President Bush and his family had too many financial ties to the Bin Laden construction company, which was, what, the second or third largest construction company in the world? Yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, if you get caught red-handed, or people have this knowledge and follow this stuff, it doesn't look too good on you, does it? No, it doesn't look good at all. So, one of the things I'm going to throw out there, I'm going to go off course here a little bit, but one of the things I'm going to throw out there uh, with the invasion of Iraq... One of the theories was the Stargate theory. I, listen, I'm a, I'm a big sci-fi guy, right? I, I love science fiction. It's great because, because there's a lot of truth in a lot of the, the things that people put out there in the sci-fi community. We find um, through research, and, and you and I talk about the, you know spiritual research and, and things like that, which we'll be getting into more of that later on. But uh, one of the theories is that Iraq had found... Uh, quote-unquote Stargate from uh, ancestral past, right? Well, I mean, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know we were maybe going to go down this path, but this is, you know, oh, 9-11. Yeah, the 9-11 thing's a little bit more your wheelhouse. This is, this is you know, the ancient history is a little bit more my wheelhouse. Uh, which well, you're here we go, is, Brother Shine. <laughs> what you're referencing is Iraq is the area that we talked about where the Sumerians lived mm-hmm. between the Fertile Crescent. So are we going back to the Anunnaki? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, so, you know, they're, they're you know, not to dive too far into it, because, again, I uh, thought maybe we're going to stick to the 9-11. But, yeah, interestingly, this is the same area that the Anunnaki and the Sumerian culture started to crop up. 
and they have these huge ziggurats. A ziggurat is like a Sumerian sort of temple slash pyramid. And what you're referencing is there's some indication, if you look online, that there were some cryogenic sort of bodies that were found. And again, like you said, some Stargate, some ancient technology that our military industrial complex was interested in. And they just needed a reason to take over the country to try to, you know, you know, well, like capture that, right? Like right. archaeologists do, they dig up, they dig up the past, right? That's what they do. So some of this stuff surfaced there, they found it, and what we got word of it, or you know, there was some intelligence that that were there, found out that you know some of the stuff was uncovered, or that they the Iraqis had this ancient technology or, or or whatever you know we're talking about a quote-unquote stargate which you and i were just talking about the skinwalker ranch episodes lately and we had theorized that there is some sort of a portal above the the area which only makes sense because they see you know vehicles traveling in and out through thin, thin air they're there and then they travel out and then they're there and they travel in and they travel out and they've done uh, different experiments, dropping bottles. I don't know if you've seen this in the recent episodes, where you know they would try, they would kind of fall in a uh, vortex uh, because they had GPS trackers, and the bottles would fall in like a type of vortex, which, to your point, leads in uh, like a Fibonacci sequence. As you've said many times in the previous episodes, you believe that time is not linear; it's more of like a Fibonacci sequence. It's a spiral, if you will. So, if that be the case, then why couldn't this be a jump to an interdimension or, or a portal of time or something like that to give people the idea? I know we're talking about 9-11. I just got real sci-fi on all you guys. Sorry. <laughs> uh, but that was the idea of this theory, which we're just going to touch base on it just because it was a part of it. And I, always, I find it kind of fascinating, was that uh, the Iraqis were holding... A Stargate, and this was something that we had knowledge of for uh, for a little bit of time, but we needed a reason to go back in. Hey, here's let no good casualty go to waste, right? Right. Now you uh, got my mind thinking, and I, I know this is kind of deviating a little bit, but it is interesting. Some of the uh, details that have come out of that Skinwalker uh, series. What's interesting is you're talking about the Fibonacci sequence, where it seems like things kind of float to earth in a, in a strange pattern where normally you would think something would just fall straight down. Right. What they're finding is this, uh, whenever they look at the radar, they're finding that it's showing the helicopters and the, and the apparatuses that are using to fly are going into the Mesa underground as deep as 63 miles. Right? And what's interesting about that is if you flip that on its... On its side, it's 63 miles into the air that we consider outer space, outer space, outside of our completely outside of our atmosphere. Mm-hmm. It's called the, uh, I got it here, it's called the Carmen line. But what I find interesting is it's 63 miles. Six and three is nine. So we've got this dynamic with numerology again with the Fibonacci sequence. So they're saying that the uh, the bottles went 63 miles inland. Well, no, they were saying the flights 
were shown that they were oh, okay. 63 miles below surface, which was strange. But if you think about a portal, if we're talking about mirror images, and it's recording something that's underneath the ground that then flips, that's supposed to show the atmosphere. It's, 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 it's crazy, because like, I was just watching uh, the fourth season of Stranger Things last night, and you know, again, I, I like sci-fi stuff, and I don't know if anybody out there is a, a fan of of the series. I, I find the series very fascinating. Uh, it's fun also. I'm not a nostalgia on it, but uh, the, what they call uh, an interdimension is the upside down. And oh. there you go. No. Because when they go into the interdimension, the upside down, the screen actually flips. Oh, man. Yeah, right. Now, see, now Jeffro hasn't watched the series here, so if we can get any uh, anybody out there to hop on Discord and tell Jeffro to watch the series, that'd be really <laughs> cool. Um, but, but no. yeah, yeah. So no, and, and one other quick thing on the most recent episode of Skinwalker, and, and we'll probably touch on base on a com- whole complete episode with Skinwalker. Was one of the experiments they did on the most recent episode was they pointed a laser, and when they pointed the laser, the laser actually bent right at a particular mark where something was obstructing the laser. Yeah, and they also used telescopes, and anytime they have an anomaly that's above a certain part of the ranch. Every time they point a telescope in that area, it distorts what they're supposed to be seeing on the star chart. Like so a vortex. Like there's almost like a vortex or a, something there bending light. So, yeah. I, I know we're a little bit sci-fi here, but if you were asking me 9-11 was sci-fi, none of it makes any <laughs> fucking sense either, right? None of it makes sense to anybody, and anybody who's actually, you know asking the question why or trying to figure out why this happened or how it happened... None of it makes sense. If if you do your homework a little bit, if you just do some of your own personal research, none of it, not not even a little bit of it makes sense. But that's why we're here. That's why we're doing this episode, and, or these past two, three episodes. This will be the third one on uh, the, the topic. But going back a little bit, uh, retracting from the sci-fi a little <laughs> bit more, but not all the way, going back to the uh, Stargate and, uh, and then Iraq, you, you said there were artifacts and almost like a cryogenic... Are we talking bodies here, Jeffro? Right, yeah. Um, there's actually were some photos that came out uh, that claimed they were the photo of. I can't remember the name. I do. I remember the name. Oh, okay. He's, he's going to look it up. Go ahead. Do you remember, remember the name? I remember the name. The, you're talking about the photos of Nimrod? Oh, Nimrod, that's right. Correct. <laughs> See, we 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 do our best to edit here, but sometimes if we don't have to, we like to keep it raw. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's ironic. I couldn't name remember the name Nimrod. Maybe I'm a Nimrod myself. No, 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 not at all, buddy, not at all. But but that was one of the things I remember. Those photos they were they were so freakish looking. You can find these photos because somebody took photos of you know quote unquote what is supposed to be Nimrod, and it's like a box, right? Right, well, like a it's, casket, it's almost. almost like a chamber. And what's interesting, it very similarly describes a, a red-haired giant. Which, if you talk to archaeologists, and they, whenever they describe that this Denisovians up in northern Russia, oh, Russia again. Um, whenever they talk about some of the Denisovians' uh, evidence, they talk about these large humanoid giant seven eight foot type figures that are red hair and, and interesting in the in the genetic history are we talking about the nephilim again 
Well, and then that goes into the idea of that's also a description of the Nephilim as well. Right. Uh, and, and the Anunnaki themselves is this red hair, which always confused me because if you look at the local population today, we, we wouldn't think the red hair sort of started in the Middle East. Most of, you know, most people that I know or in myself think red hair comes from Ireland and, the, you know, northern you know, northern hemispheres, Nordics. You, know, the, you know, Nordics and yeah. But no, red hair actually originates in the Middle East. Interesting. The gene of red hair. So it's not so ironic to find something like a red hair giant in Iraq. Or uh, maybe not so much Middle Eastern looking Jesus. <laughs> right. Possibly. Possible. Yeah. So, but, but some of these photos had surfaced where there were claims that this was uh, uh, the body of Nimrod, which was ancient Sumerian times. And we're talking long, 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 long. Like, we're talking first civilization, right? Right. Nimrod was actually a ruler of... Uh, I think he was named in the, Sumer- in the Sumerian king's list, was he not? I believe so. But there were there were photos that resurfaced, uh, or not resurfaced, but had surfaced about the stating that this was the body of Nimrod, and there were other artifacts as well as a Stargate that was found, and that's why we decided to invade Iraq. I mean, I know it's out there. I know it's uh, you know a little bit um, you know off course of what we've been talking about with nine eleven and everything, but it was, I, I found it a little interesting. Just you know, if you if you want to, you can go and look into this a little more. If you're like me, if it, you know anything sparks my interest, I want to dig a little further. But right. I, you know, that's something that, and I was just talking to you about this. That's something that we do with this podcast that I really enjoy is that we don't have to have all of the details for you. We just want to give you enough to intrigue your mind to go find the details for yourself. Yeah, a couple, couple quick things though too. What's interesting about the Nimrod story before we dive back into the nine eleven is. Nimrod is the one credited building the Tower of Babel. Right. And we're talking about him possibly being some sort of figure that was a giant. Well, during these early 2000s, whenever we had these wars, there was some speculation of a Kandahar giant in Afghanistan. So it seems like this story, whether whether you buy into it or not, seems to keep popping up. And... It's interesting that they do. You can maybe dismiss one of them, or maybe two of them, but it it, it doesn't. It's not just one or two stories. The, these sort of ancient mythologies keep popping up all in this area of the, of the planet. You know, the Middle East, you know, Lower Eurasia, or not Eurasia, but Asia Minor. Yeah, it it's definitely fascinating to find some of this stuff. But it, as quickly as it, it surfaces. It's removed as well. You know, it almost seems like they're being you know, the story's being fact checked over and over and over again through the public, which is something we see a lot, especially these days when we try to speak some. Well, you and I know is truth, you know, especially with uh, the the whole COVID thing and you know the facts, quote unquote facts. We constantly get fact checked, but the funny thing about it is, is we could be right in our story and what they'll do is they'll interpret the story differently so it doesn't make it factual and they'll say hey this isn't fact you're being fact checked well no shit that's not what we said right (laughs) right so you're saying the media sort of contorts any idea 
contorts into their narrative. Right. They contort a truth into a lie so that they can say it's a lie. How's that? Yeah. Yeah. They don't do that, do they? Yeah, they don't do that. But let, let's let's go back. Let's go back a little bit further. Let's get out of the sci-fi stuff a little more. Let's go back into 9-11. Um, one of the things, and it's funny how you know you were talking, little tidbit from sci-fi again. You were talking about the Skinwalker Rancher when they dropped the bottle. You know, it didn't go straight down. You know what else didn't fall straight down, Jeff Rowe, from a building that was falling straight down? Bodies. Right. No. Yeah. There's a a lot of evidence. Uh, they're not exactly sure of the website, but there's a website out there that actually maps where a lot of the survivors and victims of 9-11 were found, you know, their remains on, on, a, on a chart. And one would think if a building collapsed the way they tell us it collapsed, the way we saw it in a pancake manner, that those bodies, the majority of the bodies, would be found in the footprint of the collapse. Yeah. I mean, the, the buildings fell straight down as they should have when... You're doing demolition when you're, well, huh? Sorry, no, no, they didn't. That's that's. But that's the buildings, where, they, they fell straight down. The, the buildings did fall straight down. Um, if they would have fallen in a pancake version, they would have sort of deviated slightly, and the towers, uh, yeah, sure, would have. If it was the way they're telling us, it would have deviated slightly, but the victims would have all been contained in that within that cylinder within that right within that footprint of that building right exactly that's not what we find with a lot of these victims no there are a lot of victims where remains are found upwards of 1000 feet away from the building itself you know pieces of jaws you know pieces of collarbones and knee bones and all all kinds of different Portions of victims projectiled a thousand feet on tops of other buildings, which makes no sense unless they were ejected. Okay, so what you're telling me is something threw them out, something threw the pieces, the bodies, the uh, appendages, threw them away from the footprint of the fall. Forensic would suggest that there was some sort of event that happened in the building that caused, you know, a 175-pound person, 200-pound person to be projectiled upwards to, not everybody was found 1,000 feet, 200, 300, 400, scattered all throughout the downtown area. Right. That would not happen if a building is falling and people were trapped in the building. The only, you know, you you might see a little bit of a deviation when you find the human remains of the victims, but you wouldn't see them thousands of feet, you know, you know, hundreds of feet away from the building. So that suggests that there were explosive events inside the building, inside the building, and the people that were on the perimeters were ejected out the windows, which does not follow the narrative that we're being told. We're being told it was a pancake event. We're being told that the building collapsed under its own weight, which if that's the case, then the victims all should be in a relatively small area. And that's just not what we're finding. So what you're telling me here, Jeff Rose, is that something else happened. It wasn't just the fall of the building, 
that projected all of these bodies and limbs out 200, 300, 400, 1,000 feet in some cases. Something else threw these bodies and appendages outward. There had to have been an explosive event that projected the bodies like, out from the center. Like You mean like many of the eyewitnesses that we have in the previous episode recorded and put on the podcast were claiming that there was multiple explosions. Multiple explosions. That almost makes too much sense. Oh, doesn't it? it? Again, this is evidence that people just gloss over and they don't pay any mind to it. They are okay with just being fine with the narrative that we're being told because to question it, you would have to end up questioning everything. Because people don't even want to take that first step to say, oh, well, maybe the official... 9-11 commission report we're just going to go with that because if we don't then all of a sudden we have to go and reevaluate everything that we've been told right and by the way we're going to pay certain people to do a certain report and keep the answers certain I mean, i'm talking about nist here well yeah you know the national uh was this uh, nist stands for national uh I, I something structural yeah, and technical some, yeah, engineer, yeah. engineers. Their, their their report was on the uh, the nine eleven commission report. Again, building seven not being a part of. But I remember one of our listeners had reached out to us and was talking about uh, the the structural, um, the different pieces of the buildings, uh, the bolts and and whatnot, and the steel beams. Um, Jim, Jim, I believe, is one of our listeners. Jim, Jim yeah, he was t- he was talking about uh, how. It got very, very costly to upgrade and update these buildings, which I, I can imagine. I, could, I mean, these buildings were huge. And as we said, you know, they had uh, asbestos flame retardant sprayed all over the beams. They had to replace the bolts and everything. It's, it's, things get costly. Things get very costly. And it only makes sense that, you know, an insurance claim would be taken out on these buildings, what, months before an attack for a specific attack like come on that doesn't that doesn't just happen it's not a coincidence i'm going to take an insurance claim if if that were somebody who were <laughs> let, let, let's let's say you have a wife right and you take out a life insurance claim on her and a month or two later she's found dead at the bottom of a ravine and nobody's supposed to look at you as a suspect or even having knowledge as to what happened in the incident it just doesn't happen. And we're talking about an even bigger, larger scale here. There's no way. There's no way nobody knows what happened. There's no way nobody investigated this. There's no way nobody was look, had looked into it. But the people who did were very quickly silenced. They put their own people on it to, to give the commission report. It's the same thing with the JFK assassination. They, the CIA got their own people to do the commission report. And none of it made sense. And it didn't matter that it made sense or it didn't make sense because that's what the report did. That, that's what the report claimed. It was done. It was over with. They got away with it. They write their own rules. They write their own laws. And we see this over and over and over again. So anytime something like this catastrophic happens, the only thing they could do is call people who say why a conspiracy theorist. They criticize your critical thinking because they don't want you to ask why they don't want you to dig they don't want you to know 
that this possibly could be orchestrated. And, and you and I were talking before we started the podcast, and I looked at you and I said, you know, what do you think about this now? Do you think any way, is there, is there anything in your mind that tells you that this was not orchestrated? Now, at this point, no. I mean, I've always had my questions, but in, in doing a lot of this research and you presenting a lot of new information to me, the thing that I can say without a doubt, whatever information they're trying to sell to the American public is not true. And to build on top of your discussion, whatever you were saying, that the same people are used to cover up a lot of these different situations. One of the people that was instrumental and part of the 9-11 Commission was a gentleman by the name of Lee Hamilton. That sounds familiar, Jeffro, but please do go on. Lee Hamilton. So, again, here's another connection (laughs) with the Bush administration and his father's administration and what happened in the 80s while Papa Bush was a vice president highly involved with the CIA and then became president himself. This is something that we brought up before was the incidents and the the events that were going on in Afghanistan between Afghanistan and Russia. A scenario where we were funding the Mujahideen. Sure. And the Mujahideen became Al-Qaeda who then we subsequently claimed were responsible for these attacks. Well, there was a commission in 1990, what was it, early 90s, let's just say early 90s, I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, say early 90s. That we're, review- we're talking right around the golf time. Right. That reviewed the whole incident, you know, the military, because you have all these reports that come out after military action is done, right? Yeah. Well, somebody was on the commission for that report called the Iran-Contra incident, Mr. Lee Hamilton. Now, what is the Iran Contra report? The, the Iran Contra, or yeah, the Iran Contra was Contra. yeah, yeah. It was the 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 stuff that was going on between Iran and Afghanistan, and all this different information that was happening between it, all that stuff that was going on in the eighties with the Afghan war and the connection to the Mujahideen. So this guy essentially is used to covering up nefarious situations in the military. Right. There's shit around this guy's present. This guy's present. He he knows how to cover up a he knows how to cover up a story. So <laughs> it's just so interesting that you get these same characters that you like you were talking about. You get these same characters that are doing this basically cleanup work. Right? And the Iran Contra isn't exactly connected to the Afghan war with Mujahideen but it's all in the same area you know it is all interlocked it's it's a connection to the Bin Laden family again with the Bushes and this Lee Hamilton character keeps popping up okay so he was on the board for the report on that the report on the Contra the Iranian Contra yep okay so how how, let me ask you Jeffro how is this relevant to what we're talking about today, 9-11, how is that relevant? Well, it's the connection between the Bushes. The the, the Bush the and family the that was Yeah, the Bushes and the Bin Ladens. The, the family that was presidents, you know, younger Bush, right. and then Papa Bush. And they're intertwining business dealings 
and connections to the Biden family or to the Obama family. Sorry, it might have been the Biden family. Who knows, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, I guess to make a connection again and a, and a correlation from Afghanistan in the 80s to Ukraine now, you do have, you do seem to have people who are in power like the Biden administration now and whenever Biden was a vice president having these connections in a country like Ukraine only to there very shortly a decade later find ourselves sending our young men and women to a country that before the American public couldn't even pronounce the name of the country well, only to, to fight fair, a war yeah to be fair I don't Biden can't pronounce his own damn name anymore no, but I, it, it does seem like it's a very interesting connection that you have the Bushes having their fingers in Afghanistan, only so, to then send in a war later on. Right. Same so, thing with the Bidens. So we've got this character, um, uh, what was his name again? We, we just, the guy you're talking about. Oh, uh, Lee Hamilton. Lee Hamilton, thank you. I, I don't know why I wanted to say Harvey <laughs> Oswald. It just popped in my head. But Lee Hamilton, right? Lee Hamilton... Uh, Iranian Contra back in what early nineties, very very early nineties, I believe. So if you can, Jeffro, I mean, I, I'm I'm sure a lot of our listeners as well as myself, <laughs> we're trying to make sense of all this. What what are you saying to us? Okay, all right, yeah. So let me clear this up. Um, the same gentleman that was on the nine eleven commission report, Lee Hamilton, also seemed to cover up some. Interesting details between the Iron Contra and the Mujahideen Russia Afghanistan war during the eighties. Um, though usually they're considered different events. Uh, in the nineteen eighties, the final decade of the Cold War and the Soviet war in Afghanistan uh, were part of the Iran Contra affair and are usually considered different events again. Uh, but there are present articles that draw together declassified evidence to trace previously ignored connections between them, demonstrating that the secret arms dealings with Iran carried out by the Reagan administration's National Security Council staff included provisions for Tehran, which is in Iran, to transfer some of the American weapons it received to pro-Iranian Mujahideen in Afghanistan and that that covert cooperation against the Soviets in Afghanistan constituted an important dimension of the clandestine dialogue carried out by the U.S. and Iranian representatives. So again, it's a cluster F, right? The Iran-Contra situation, whenever it was reviewed by this board Mm -hmm. that was headed by Lee Hamilton, or Lee Hamilton was part of this group, right? again, try to obfuscate and hide details of the connections between Iran and Afghanistan going all the way back to the 80s. Then you have the same connection with us wanting to invade Afghanistan because this is where apparently we said uh, Osama bin Laden. Well, in Afghanistan because Osama bin Laden was there. Right. Right. But we didn't didn't go to Afghanistan first. We went straight to Iraq. No, we went straight to Iraq. (laughs) But again, whenever Lee Hamilton's on the 9-11 Commission board... He can again obfuscate any details that the higher ups don't want to be in the report. So again, you find the same character nefariously in a position of power that gets a part, 
you know, decades apart in a scenario that's never brought up. It's just glossed over. Oh, no, he was just, you know. There's no connection between the two. But yet, the connection is the Bush family. Right, exactly. That's the connection. You're right. It's the Bush family and his connection with the Bin Laden family. And you keep putting the same guy in the situation over and over again to clean up your mess. Exactly. Because he's the cleaner. You, because you know he's going to keep your secret. Exactly. Because, well, I mean, I don't know. They have something on him or they have him in their pocket. But either way, the same guy seems to be <laughs> seems to be sort of navigating whatever it is that they want to have navigated and obfuscated. As always. I mean, we, we, we can break everything down that we talk about in this episode and the previous two episodes about this topic. And again, nothing makes sense except for the nefarious entities that seem to be resurfacing every time some sort of catastrophe happens. There is always a cover-up. There's always something else going on. And we're just supposed to believe it or just keep quiet of it. What, you know, that would be the next question I think the American people would have would be, they're going to do it. What do we do? Um, that's the question, right? I mean, that, but to, the, to answer that question, that's what we're doing here. There and always we- seems to be a concerted effort by people in power to not only retain their power, but to expand it. And the only way they can do that is in the shadows, not allow the public to see what they're doing, because if the public was aware of the events that they try to, try to you know, pass, it wouldn't go over very well. Well, absolutely not. It's not going to go over very well because they have casualties. They've got thousands upon thousands of casualties and lives that were lost, which makes it even harder for the American people to believe from time to time that these things could possibly happen, that they could be orchestrated. And again, you know, we talk about this all the time that they're, you know, we're expendable. There are casualties. You know, the, you know, there were children in that building. Oh my gosh, there were children in that building. You really think the government? Yes, yes. Yes, I do 100%. They 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 don't care. It's it's all about money. It's not about the well-being of any man, woman or child or any citizen in this country. It is about money and power. Money and power. That's what it all I mean, boils down to. And let's not get it twisted because a lot of times when we review and and talk about the 9/11 events, we talk about the Upwards of 3,000 people that lost their lives on that day. Which ended up being more after, you know, right. the people who were down there cleaning up. and the, the Upwards of 70,000, you know, rescue workers and volunteers that were at ground zero. You've got... And there were many lawsuits because, the, the polit- like we said in the last episode, politicians went down to ground zero wearing hazmat suits and everything. Meanwhile, they're telling all the worker bees down there, hey, wear this little paper mask. It's, it's safe. It's going to be fine. And there's asbestos all over you're breathing it in i mean it's 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 in the air it wasn't just volunteer workers though uh they there was this narrative that was pushed out that we didn't want the terrorists to know that they defeated us so they actually asked wall street to open up several days after and they actually had schools open up right and they sent children back to school 
near ground zero where you had this this um what do they call you know this dust material it's the same thing they call volcanic material um this fine residue this fine dust that sticks to everything uh cluster something along those lines um but yeah they're you know the children are breathing this in you know the first responders are breathing this in the volunteers that are trying to clean up the debris you know are, are breathing this in and they know they they know the results of what's going on because like you said if they thought it was really that safe how come they're in these hazmat suits but it's not just the new yorkers that suffered you also have to count in the casualties the young men and women that went to iraq and oh, afghanistan yeah, definitely and then those who came back and suffered ptsd and ended up, you know, not being able to handle what they saw over there and the people they lost in committing suicide here. So this isn't... But hey, the Carlisle group made a ton of money. Carlisle, I mean, if I had a couple hundred dollars on September 10th, I know where I could have invested. Sure. Oh, wait, but no, that's... <laughs> that's, that's that didn't happen. Well, you know, and we, we mentioned this in the last podcast also about the compartmentalization of the cleanup that was done as well. And within that uh, car compartmentalization of the cleanup, people started to notice that there was even some nefarious doing there by the people who were involved with the cleanup and everything in the protocol. The health measures that were taken were non-existent. Um we even mentioned in the previous podcast episode that one guy was fired because he took a, a, a longer launch or whatever in a clip um, from the Loose Change documentary. But uh, one of the things that I thought was fantastic and really well uh, done on the part of a celebrity, and I don't get to say this a lot as far as celebrities, but uh, John Stewart, whenever he went in front of the Senate and was talking about you know, the health care of the first responders and the people who were down there and how they were denied uh, basic burials and, and, and health care by all of these officials. Meanwhile, you've, you've got governmental officials down there in hazmat suits right, not doing anything, just talking shit and shooting the breeze at ground zero. You have all the worker bees actually doing the work. But I don't want to butcher this, so I'm going to play that clip from John Stewart. Uh, I want to thank Mr. Collins and Mr. Naylor for putting this together. But uh, as I sit here today, I can't help but think what an incredible metaphor this room is for the entire process that getting health care and benefits for 9-11 first responders has come to. Behind me, a filled room of 9-11 first responders, and in front of me, a nearly empty Congress. Sick and dying, they brought themselves down here to speak to no one. It's shameful. It's an embarrassment to the country, and it is a stain on this institution. And you should be ashamed of yourselves for those that aren't here, but you won't be. Because accountability doesn't appear to be something that occurs in this chamber. We don't want to be here. Lou doesn't want to be here. None of these people want to be here. But they are, and they're not here for themselves. 
They're here to continue fighting for what's right. Lou's going to go back for his 69th chemo. The great Ray Pfeiffer would come down here, his body riddled with cancer and pain, where he couldn't walk. And the disrespect shown to him and to the other lobbyists on this bill is utterly unacceptable. You know, I used to get, I, I, would, I would be so angry at the latest injustice that's done to these men and women. And, uh, you know, another business card thrown our way uh, as a way of, of shooing us away. Like children, trick-or-treating, rather than the heroes that they are and will always be. Ray would say, calm down, Johnny, calm down. I got all the cards I need. And he would tap his pocket. Where he kept the prayer cards. 343 firefighters. The official FDNY response time to 9-11 was five seconds. Five seconds. That's how long it took for FDNY, for NYPD, for Port Authority, for EMS, to respond to an urgent need from the public. Five seconds. Hundreds died in an instant. Thousands more poured in to continue to fight for their brothers and sisters. The breathing problem started almost immediately, and they were told they weren't sick, they were crazy. And then, as the illnesses got worse and things became more apparent, well, okay, you're sick, but it's not from the pile. And then when the science became irrefutable, okay, it's the pile. But this is a New York issue. I don't know if we have the money. And I'm sorry if I sound angry and undiplomatic, but I'm angry, and you should be too, and they're all angry as well, and they have every justification to be that way. There is not a person here, there is not an empty chair on that stage that didn't tweet out, never forget the heroes of 9-11, never forget their bravery, never forget what they did, what they gave to this country. Well, here they are. And where are they? And it would be one thing if their callous indifference and rank hypocrisy were benign, but it's not. Your indifference costs these men and women their most valuable commodity, time.
It's the one thing they're running out of. This should be flipped. This hearing should be flipped. These men and women should be up on that stage, and Congress should be down here answering their questions as to why this is so damn hard and takes so damn long. And why no matter what they get, something's always pulled back and they got to come back. Mr. Johnson, you, you, you made a point earlier and it was one that we have heard over and over again in these halls and I, I, I couldn't help but to answer to it, which was, you said, look, you know, you guys are obviously heroes and 9-11 was a big deal, but you know, we have a lot of stuff here to do. And, uh, you know, we got to make sure there's money for a variety of uh, uh, disasters, hurricanes and tornadoes. But this wasn't a hurricane. And this wasn't a tornado. And by the way, that's your job anyway. We can't fund these programs. You can. Setting aside that no American in this country should face financial ruin because of uh, uh, a health issue. Certainly 9-11 first responders shouldn't have to decide whether to live or to have a place to live. And the idea that you can only give them five more years of the VCF because you're not quite sure what's going to happen five years from now, well, I can tell you, I'm pretty sure what's going to happen five years from now. More of these men and women are going to get sick and they are going to die. And I am awfully tired of hearing that it's a 9-11 New York issue. Al-Qaeda didn't shout death to Tribeca. They attacked America and these men and women and their response to it is what brought our country back. It's what gave a reeling nation a solid foundation to stand back upon, to remind us of why this country is great, of why this country is worth fighting for. And you are ignoring them. And you can end it tomorrow. Why this bill isn't unanimous consent and a standalone issue is beyond my comprehension. And I have yet to hear a reasonable explanation for why. It'll get stuck in some transportation bill or some appropriations bill and get sent over to the Senate where a certain someone from the Senate will use it as a political football to get themselves maybe another new import tax on petroleum, because that's what happened to us in 2015. And we won't allow it to happen again. Thank God for people like John Field. Thank God for people like Ray Pfeiffer. Thank God for all of these people who will not let it happen. They responded in five seconds. They did their jobs. Courage, grace, tenacity, humility. 18 years later, do yours. Thank you. So, Jeffro, I remember, I remember this piece. I remember this, uh, this bit. Uh, John Stewart. It's funny when people get more involved and they start asking why, how their how their demeanor changes upon politics so often, rather than just believing whatever they're told, whatever side they're coming from, right? 
pretty soon when you start asking why and you start doing some critical thinking, you then get ousted as a conspiracy theorist, which recently I remember John Stewart saying, you know, different things about his own supported party. He was supposed to be affiliated with, you know, all, all throughout his, um, celebrity career, which would have been the left as many celebrities are left. When you challenge, when you challenge your own party, whether it be right or left, you're quickly demonized right away. And that's kind of what happened to him recently when he started doing his own podcast and everything. You know, he was a few times thrown out as a conspiracy theorist because he asked questions. And just because he, he asked the questions, nobody that went against the narrative, nobody liked it. And, and when I first heard this clip that we just played, it was like, finally, somebody's saying something, you know, outside of just the attacks because the, the the deaths did not stop there. It wasn't like the buildings fell and that was it. Casualties were over. They continued. And as to your point, you know, the men and women who were sent overseas, the casualties continued. The, the people involved in the cleanup, the casualties continued. The narrative after that, over and over again, and maybe maybe there were some emotionally charged Islams and uh, maybe anti-Islamic people in this country, shootings, killings that they called acts of terror in this country and other countries in the subway uh, and across the pond with our friends across the pond over there in London. The casualties continued. The second you become a problem for the people in power, they'll demonize you. The second you become a threat, they will make it an example out of you. And that goes to what you're saying, exactly what happened to Jon Stewart. It's, It's a way to keep people from questioning, is to, whenever you're outspoken, is to question your character. And that's one of those dirty tactics that people use. You know, the second you're you're not in line with the national narrative, you're a conspiracy theorist. I say conspiracy theorist, and we have the badge of conspiracies on this podcast on the title of the podcast itself. Why? Well, why not? I mean They've labeled people who are critical thinkers as conspiracy theorists to demonize those people who are critically thinking. That's exactly what we're talking about here. Something, you know, we touched on many times before and we have earlier in this podcast, but let's take it and run with it. Because more more often than not, we're finding out, as as Russell Brand has said many, many different times, as as Jimmy Dore has said many, many times, as as Joe Rogan has said many, many times. Oh shit, the conspiracy theorists were right again. Right. And, you know, there's a few other details I, I want to go ahead and share details that I've become aware of recently. And we have a really short clip, uh, if we can play it, uh, describing two structural engineers that were in New York at the day of uh, really good friends. Uh, the one gentleman lost his life. But uh, he was really interested in the first attacks 
1993 on the World Trade Centers. And it's interesting because he talked about, to his friend, his very close friend, about all the redundancies in the building, about all the safety redundancies and how it's amazing that that attack didn't cause more damage and structural damage to the building. And and again, you know, this is a detail that I wanted to make sure we got in here going back to how crazy the collapse of the building even happened in the first place. It just does not make sense. It doesn't make any sense. sense. Um and this this gentleman that lost his life on the day of September 11th, prior to in 1997-1998, he was able to do one of those modern Marvel type of, I'm not exactly sure how it was labeled, but one of those History Channel documentaries, short documentaries on, oh, yeah. you know, what happened the day of and, and how well the building held up and how people should have a lot of faith in the structures of the buildings because they were so well done and it's just a short clip but he describes what would happen if there was an attack on the towers check this out you know we had lived through the bombing of 1993 which was actually frank's entry into the the whole realm of the world trade center frank kind of walked me through what that damage was and how robust the structure of the building was there were redundancies beyond belief. He was a big fan of the History Channel, and he said, why is, hasn't there been a history of the World Trade Center on the History Channel? That should be, you know, that's that's got to be something. So he, uh, I can't remember the woman's name, uh, but he contacted this woman, and, and they worked and worked and worked, and they finally produced it. The building probably could sustain multiple impacts of jetliners because this structure is like the mosquito netting on your screen door and the jet plane is just a pencil puncturing that screen netting. Wow. Good to hear his voice. When he made that statement, he was working for Leslie E. Robinson, one of the designers, one of the structural engineers who designed that structure. He had, believe me, Frank was as bad as me when it came to understanding how things work. So you know he had, uh, I know he had many conversations with Leslie about how the building went together. You know, how it, how it, how it was designed, you know, to, to withstand um, all manner of, of, of loads, of dynamic loads. That's what they call a plane hitting the building or a wind hitting the building. So again, here we have again another structural engineer, actually two, one that lost their life on the day of September 11th, describing the safety features of this building and how there's no possible way a single event, a single attack with a single airliner would be able to bring down the building. Again, structurally... um, just common sense none of these none of these stories make any sense if if you're led to believe the the narrative that they i keep saying it but it's so confounding to me i have a hard time describing and talking about it in any other manner it it just is not what they're telling us right because as you heard throughout this this previous clip we keep hearing from different architects, different professionals talking about the structure of these buildings. Um, all of these buildings, every one of these buildings that were hit, right? Or even even Building 7 that wasn't hit and it came down, does not 
add up. It does not make sense. None of it none of it makes sense to these professionals. But the only people that it seems to make sense to are the people who are involved with the same people who were doing the commission reports, covering everything up, you know, NIST. Oh, well, you know what? If you can explain it to me or you have an eyewitness of somebody saying there was molten steel at the bottom, please send me the email of that. You know, we'll, we'll get in touch and then nowhere to be found. Just takes off running because they, they're not interested in the facts. They're interested in a cover up. Right. The only architects that are agreeing with the 9-11 commission are the ones that ended up in administrations later on. Right. Right. Exactly. So, a, you know, quick pro quo or, you know, you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. But these people's, prof- you know, professional peers are like, hey, listen, this isn't making any sense. And what you're saying isn't making any sense. But that's not what the media focuses on. They focuses on the bought and paid for architects. They're saying, oh, yeah, yeah. This is the information we're allowing you to have because we paid for it. And bought and paid for it. Right. Uh, Jeffro, I think we've uh, I think we've led enough information throughout these podcasts to wrap up the podcast for 9-11. I'm sure there's going to be more details to oh, go we're gonna into. Have, we're going to have future episodes. And to go along with that, with us discussing some of the uh, remains and some of the evidence with the remains... Uh, something very interesting there was a documentary i came across called unspeakable we'll we'll tag it on our discord if you guys are interested it's about an hour and 35 minutes long it's really interesting video uh video documentary but there was a uh, forensic pathologist by the name of cyril witt who had an extensive history uh extensive career going all the way back to the jfk assassination very renowned yeah um he was one of the first people that recognized that the brain was actually missing in JFK. Go figure. Another conspiracy. <laughs> um, but a, a mourning father who uh, had lost his son on the day of was one of the few lucky families, him and his wife, to actually get some remains from you know the day of. A lot of people didn't. And they were able to take their son home. They lived in Philadelphia. And the body had some very strange trauma to it. And half his face was missing. Uh, the back of his skull was fragmented. Uh, he was missing one of his arms, appendages, all on the same side. Uh, and the damage was just on one side. And uh, so throughout the last 20 years, his father just doesn't understand the circumstances around his son's death. You know, just like any father or mother or parent. They're wanting to know exactly what happened to their son or daughter sure. in the last moments. The strange thing about where they found their son was it was in the lobby shortly after the first attack, the first plane hit the building, like minutes after, which is very strange because they, they couldn't understand how he, he suffered these these wounds. Right, and there was never any answers. Um, he was their son was the first victim that showed up in the New York mortuary the day of. Right, uh, they were able to extract him from Ground Zero and get him before all the major chaos sort of happened. And this forensic pathologist had gotten the report from the father because with him 
with this gentleman who lost his life on 9-11 being one of the few victims that actually had physical remains, physical evidence, they were able to sort of investigate and look for cause of death and whatnot. So whenever this forensic pathologist is looking at this report, he's questioning it highly. He's he's saying, well, I'm looking for evidence of you know, the gentleman being crushed, and I don't really see that. But, you know, there's a lot of uh, damage to one side of the body. And the, the crew, whenever they're interviewing the pathologist, say, yeah, he was found in the lobby shortly after the first attack. And he was found where the damage was only on the one side. And once this information is cleared up, because the original coroner's report purposefully is kind of vague. Right. On purpose. And when pressed what cause of death could possibly be, the pathologist says, oh, there can only be one thing. It's an explosive event. Yeah, it's an explosion. Right? So again, you it's in one of the few occasions of forensic physical evidence, you find a victim dying in a manner in the lobby. There's no way he could have died from an explosion caused by jet fuel because this was minutes after the first the first attack on the first building. There wouldn't have been any time for jet fuel to go ahead and matriculate down the stairwell or the elevator shaft. Right, a human body is not a steel beam, right? No, right. So it it lends evidence to the fact that there had to have been some sort of explosion set off near the lobby, which is the eyewitness accounts that we keep seeing over and over again, over and over again. And uh, later in the documentary, he also brings to mention another very interesting point that I had never considered that also goes to vetting the idea of investigating what few human remains they actually have. And what they find a lot in these human remains is what they call an intermingling or an intermixing of biological material. Now, I'm not a forensic pathologist, so if I screw this up, I apologize. But basically what they're describing is like jaw bones fragmenting with other people's femur bones. Like in almost melting together and being one part. An infusion. Like an infusion. And when seeing some of these reports, this pathologist is saying, listen, there's no way that can happen in a pancake gravitational sort of You don't squish these body parts together and and cause an infusion. There's got to be a high heat. Well, not only does there have to be a high heat, but he says for this type of thing to happen, you would have to project the biological material at such a speed that it would embed itself into is ejected off of a body. It's not going to just embed itself into somebody else's jaw. Right. But this this is the kind of events you see when recovering the few you know forensic evidence that that they have you're you're having almost like bone melting into other bone right exactly and and multiple victims suffering the same sort of trauma it doesn't make sense that it was a gravitational free f- or it was a free fall it doesn't make sense that it was a gravitational event where people were crushed people weren't crushed people were melted together right that's the best way I can describe it from how, you know, he described it. And that, again, 
it's not something that jet fuel can do. You have to burn out an extremely high flashpoint for bone to fuse fuse with another victim. Right. You know, and then has to cool down at an even even larger rate at an even quicker rate. It has to. It Especially just, if okay, so if if that bone is infused with such a high temperature and such a high heat, while all this stuff is piling down on top of it, how could you even make it out? How how is it not flattened and pancaked at that? You know, not to use the same term, but how is it not flattened and pancaked immediately? Why? Because it was project projected outwards. Well, not only with that, high heat. Not only that, this is something that you got to think about, and this isn't something that he said, but this is something that my caveman brain thinks. If you're having that type of event with such a high flashpoint, then you're also going to have crystallization, right? You're going to if if it's so hot that bone infuses with another bone, like a you know a certain part infuses with another part, that's going to also crystallize as it cools. So you're going to only find fragments, right? And it, you're going to it's going to be easy to find fragments, and when you find those fragments, you're going to see. A fusion, like almost a crystal fusion of certain, you know, small shattered bones. Right. Yeah. Uh, And again, you know, more details we're going to find. We hope that other people find when they dig into these uh, these things. Um, we're we're hoping anyway, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. And anytime you guys find new information, please share it with us. Because I'll be I'll be quite honest with you guys out there. I keep finding new information. Every time I look into this this uh, scenario, this this whole event, I I'm found a gasp constantly. It's 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 mind blowing how much information is out there, and no one speaks on it. You know, just to maybe close this up this episode up a little bit, we're going to kind of end where we started, and we just wanted to make another connection with the Bin Laden family and the Bush family, just to prove that. The original premise of this episode isn't just conspiracy, right? Right. So, in the 70s, President Bush and the Bin Laden family had been connected through dubious business deals since 77 with Osama Bin Laden's oldest brother, Salim, who at the time was the oldest of all the Bin Laden children, and he had inherited their father's fortune. And uh, Salim and President Bush, first Bush, they had become friends and they had started doing these nefarious dealings. Uh, The Bin Laden family actually started and invested in Bush's startup oil company, Arbusto Energy. Okay. Um, And then there are several different characters, but to kind of described to you guys what's going on with these connections there was a tangled web of Saudi and not just the Bin Laden family but multi-millionaires all throughout the Middle East and there was a, a famous sort of conspiracy that happened in 1991 where a group called the BCCI was shut down and more than 10 billion dollars were lost what's funny is President Bush at the time had withdrawn upwards of four point seven million dollars 
Okay, so here's the information. Two months before Iraq invaded Kuwait. Interesting. On June 20th, 1990, uh, the younger Bush, the second Bush president, sold two-thirds of his stock in the company, which was also at this time called Harkin, because our booster had uh, become part of Harkin, and this was actually one of Bush's uh, companies. He, he sold 212,140 212, shares at $4 a share for a total of $848,000. That was $318,000 more than it was worth. Then Bush uh, was considered... Uh, the, the author, Dr. Arthur Ide, uh, author of the George W. Bush Portrait of a Compassionate Conservative, said... George W. broke the law to do this since the transaction was insider stock trading. Eight days later, Harkin, the company that was under investigation with the BCI, BCCI report, finished the second quarter with losses of $23 million and the stock went into a nosedive, losing 75% of its value, finishing the year just over a dollar a share. <laughs> it... And there's all kinds of connections that you guys can find out for yourself with all these Saudi sheiks. Um, there's another gentleman by the name of Khalid bin Mahfouz and Selim, um, that was friends with Salim bin Laden. And he was one of the richest men in the world controlling a shareholder, uh, a shareholder controller of the BCCI, BCCI Corporation. And they were awarded contract near Bahrain for oil drilling when the company had never drilled for oil ever in its history. That was funded by our taxpayer monies, and uh, especially the ones from Texas. Texas taxpayer money. So, there's all these connections with, again, what you informed me for the first time previously on the previous podcast of the Bin Laden family and the Bush family. And these reports are out there. Everybody can access these reports freely. You might have to search for some of them because they're, they people try to hide them. But this is all new information to me. And I just, I think it's important that the information gets out there to our listeners that there's no way you have all these connections, all these webs connected all over three decades with this family and it culminates when W. Bush is president and all of a sudden they know exactly who was, you know, they claimed the assailant in Osama bin Laden. Like, right. these two probably grew up, you know, in, in some ways together. Oh, they you know, They did. They absolutely did. Um, going... Going back to what you just stated, though, is that some of this information is out there. You just have to find it. They're not going to tell you to find it. It goes hand-in-hand hand with the same thing on the Pfizer vaccine that the court had ordered the release of their findings and, and their reports uh, through the FOIA files. This was something that they fought. You know, they wanted to keep it hidden away. You take the vaccination regardless of what we find, and we'll release to you the findings, what they said, like 75 years later or some shit like right. that. By that time, it doesn't even matter. But uh, luckily and thankfully, that was overturned 
they had to put this stuff out there. Nobody's talking about it because the findings are staggering. So if you have time to to check out those findings as well, you know, a lot of stuff you can find um, throughout history. If there's anything that just didn't make sense to you, check to see if there's information released because odds are there probably is and nobody's talking about it. Right, yeah. And, you know, this might be the last installment for now on 9-11, but... Make no mistake about it. There's there's so much more to dig into, so many more details, uh, but we don't want to inundate everybody with four, five, six episodes. Right, right. And and not only that, we want we want everybody to kind of, you know, find their own path and they're and they're digging if if they so wish. You know, maybe maybe they come to the conclusion that you know what I know enough to know this is complete, utter bullshit. You know, and and whatever I find next isn't going to be surprising to me. Maybe you want to dig more. Maybe you want to know deeper details. I don't know. Whatever whatever the case is. But, Jeffro, we're not going to end this podcast as we usually do. Um, there was uh, there was a video, music video on the uh, documentary that you were talking about. What was the name of that documentary? Unspeakable. Again? Unspeakable. So there was a, a, a video on Unspeakable done by uh, an independent artist, uh, Remo Conscious. And, uh, he, you know, it's, it's like one of those little, one of those little, I don't want to say little. It, it was an outro from the, it was the a, film. It was an outro from the film, but it was... He's an artist. I think he's more hip-hop artist. But he, it's all about the 9-11 and how nefarious everything surrounding it is. And uh, we're just going to... We're going to exit this episode with that uh, with that video. So, yep. Rima, please don't sue us. Um, no, extremely pertinent video. And it <laughs> seemed as though whenever we looked him up, there were only a few hundred uh, views. This guy needs to get a little bit more attention because it was a really well done. Yeah. I don't know what other stuff he did. We have no idea, but we, we like this one. So we're going to end it here until then, Jeffro until then, Mario. Dust settled, the glass and the metal, lies devastated, the screens still echo every mind in America engulfed in fear. When the dust settled, the glass and the metal, lies devastated, the screens still echo every mind in America engulfed in fear. Welcome to the aftermath, the future's here. It was a September morning when everything changed, ashes rained from the towers, pentagon in flames, lies gone in a flash, loved ones and strangers, the fear of a boogeyman, a new world danger, they sold the safety lighters into a war, spy on your neighbors and lock your door. It was written, did Phoenix have a plan for us? Lies in the White House, who can you trust? Evidence. Gone missing, bones and steel Families want answers, the truth will heal So much disinfo and outright lies Two decades later, and we ask why Why was Tower 7 left from the report? Why despite all the evidence and signs ignored? We insist this purposely skewed the facts Smelling like a cover-up, a treasonous act Unspeakable, the lies and deception Why are they neglecting the truth is in question? The lies and deception Why are they neglecting the truth is in question? The lies and deception, why are they neglecting the truth is in question? The lies and deception, why are they neglecting the truth is in question? Unspeakable.
Do you feel safer? Old towers gone. New skyscrapers, homeland security, the Patriot Act. Sold us into war, so I'm not making it back. Was about being lord and not keeping it safe. Money, power, and oil leading the chase. Color-coded warnings keeping us awake. 24-7 news cycle making us hate. Became us against them. Every Muslim suspect his trust runs thin. NSA spying on us. This just in. Any freedoms you have, yeah, that must end. It's the new norm. Panic on the dance floor, the barrel's still warm. Terrorist threats screaming loud from the horn. So stressed out we didn't have time to mourn. Unspeakable. The lies and deception. Why the neglect and the truth is in question? The lies and deception. Why the neglect and the truth is in question? The lies and deception. Why the neglect and the truth is in question? The lies and deception. Why the neglect and the truth is in question? Unspeakable. Unspeakable.